All right. Well, um, good morning. So, you know, we are in our, we're in the, the, the third part of this sermon series. I was going to say the third week, but we started it last Sunday, and we are, we're talking about this week that changed the world. And, um, and it, it started, if you, guys were, if you guys were with us here last week, uh, Pastor Eric got up here and he was talking to us about Palm, about Palm Sunday which was Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem, right, where he was recognized as, as the Messiah. And then on Friday, Dean was here, and he walked us uh, through, he walked us down the, oops, sorry, the road to Golgotha on, on Good Friday. And we discussed the crucifixion of Jesus. And today, of course, is Easter Sunday, <clears throat> where we are going to talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ as we walk down the road to Emmaus. So we're going to just get right at it. Where we are in this, in this story is that Jesus has been put to death. He has been tortured and he has been crucified on the cross and, and his body has been taken and placed in a sealed tomb. We saw that, that, uh, that image during the, the second song of looking out of that tomb with that, that stone being, being uh, rolled away. That was a big stone that was put in front of, of this, this tomb uh, with guards there to make sure that nobody stole the body. So let's start off here in, in Luke 24. Oh, that one, there we go. In, in Luke 24, verse one, Excuse me, it says, but very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. These men are are angels that are standing there. The women were terrified and, and bowed with their faces to the ground. And then the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. And it continues on in in verse six. It says that the angels continue on saying, remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the son of man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and that he would rise again on the third day. So even the angels here are kind of talking about all of these events that have happened through, through this, this holy week, right? They summarize Palm Sunday by, by referring to Jesus as the Son of Man, and that's really a reference to him being the Messiah. And then they mention the crucifixion, right, that we, that we learned about on, on Good Friday and then his resurrection on, on the third day. Now, this information... Once the, these ladies leave the, the tomb, they go back and they tell people, and this information spreads through Jerusalem just lightning quick. Now, Jerusalem at this time it has, a, has a, a daily population of anywhere between 25 and like 75 or 80,000 people. So, you know, that Brigham City is 20,000. So it's, it's bigger than Brigham City by, by many times. And that information passes very, very quickly. Plus, it's Passover. And so you're going to have a whole lot of people. There's probably hundreds of thousands of people that are here now uh, at this time. And, and this, the word of, of Jesus' death and now the empty tomb spreads through town very, very quickly. 
And certainly as we'll, we'll, take, we'll see here in, in some of these passages coming up, uh, this was a huge event that, that had everyone talking. And so in verse 13, it says that that same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. And he asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? And they stopped short. Sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. So these guys are, they're walking all along this, this journey. It's like, you know, seven miles. So it's going to take them a, a few hours. Um, and, and, and these guys explain the events of the week, the events of, of Holy Week to Jesus. And they don't even recognize that it was him. They don't even recognize that this is the, the exact person that they're talking about. <clears throat> and so that brings us to our first point here today, which is that as the disciples walked and talked, they revealed their ignorance of Christ's true identity and purpose. And as we go through this message, I think we're going to see just how common that was, even with the disciples, and how it even is still today fairly common. Even followers of Jesus often miss out on, on knowing who he really is. And so, as we, as we take a look at, at this passage in Luke 24, we see this list of things they understand about Jesus. So, so remember, they, had, they, they were telling him that, that he must be the only person who, who doesn't know about these things. And it says, what things, Jesus asked, the things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. See, these disciples, they understood that Jesus was fully God, but they also knew that he was fully man. They knew he was a prophet who did powerful miracles and that he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. And then they said, we had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. They had hoped he was the Messiah. Now, if you don't know what Messiah is, that's okay. The, the, uh, the definition of that is the Messiah was the promised deliverer, deliverer of the Jewish nation, someone who had been prophesied in the Hebrew Bible to come and rescue Israel. Now, these guys, you know, in that culture, they'd have, they would have heard this all of their lives. They would have read about it um, as, as they went through the, the, the scriptures. They would have read about a Messiah coming to rescue Israel because it's in, it's in the Bible. It's actually what it says. But they had failed to understand what was meant by that. See, the, the Jewish people were influenced by their cultural biases and their place in the world, just like we are, right? And they have been oppressed for centuries. They grew up learning about King David and King Solomon who, who fought for Israel. They, they grew up learning about Moses freeing Israel, right? And so these are, these are the things that they hold on to very much. This is just simply what they know. And they believe that Jesus was, was here now to become a warrior king and to physically rescue them from their oppressive 
Roman occupiers. See, guys, they had, they had read God's word, but they didn't understand God's word. So they were confused, and they missed seeing Jesus for who he was. They allowed their emotional desire for the Jesus that they wanted to blind them from who Jesus really is. So let's take just a second here and think about how, how we explain Jesus, who we say that he is. <clears throat> because the fact is, what we believe about Jesus is the most important thing that we can ever do. But see, we all have a list like this of, of things that we, you know, that we, the traits about Jesus, who we, who we think it is, he is, things that we believe about him. And you know, if, if we all if we, if we all discussed it, we'd probably come up with a, a fairly similar list of, of the things that we think about Jesus or that we believe about Jesus. But there would be some differences because we all have different perspectives, right? We all have, have different experiences and, and different biases. And, and, you know, I'm the first to admit that I, I know from the bottom of my heart, I know that my perspective is sometimes wrong. And I'll write it down. I told her that wasn't true. But I do. I know that my perspective is, is sometimes wrong, just like, just like these two disciples that Jesus is talking to. And, and let's, look at his, let's look at his response to them. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people. And that should get our attention, right? When, when Jesus is calling you names for something, that ought to get our attention, so let's, let's, give his, let's give it some attention. You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets explaining from all the scriptures the, the things concerning himself. So he takes some time here to go to go through this, to go through um, the scriptures to reveal the part that they missed. Specifically, they had missed the part about his, his suffering. And he takes them and, he, and he, he, uh, he go, they go through several prophecies in the Old Testament that, that explained that, um, that suffering. And what I love about this is that when there is something that's not understood, Jesus sets a precedent here and he takes them back to scripture for clarification, because their tendency is to just is to sort of cherry pick the Jesus that that they want, the Jesus that they like from the Bible that fits their their worldview, and we still do that today. I see a lot of people, I see a lot of posts and and memes and stuff like that on social media that that make these definitive points about Jesus that simply miss the mark. Far too often, I think, we choose to allow something as fickle as our Facebook life to, to define our, our biblical worldview. And if this is you guys, may I suggest that when you are tempted to do this, uh, that you go to God's word instead and, and go to it often. Read it. Read it in context. See what it actually says, not what we want it to say. And that's the route that Jesus takes with his disciples uh, to help them understand him better. But besides just going through the, and reading those Old Testament passages, Jesus, 
he points them to this thread that's sort of weaved throughout all of God's word, and then he pulls it together for them and reveals the actual mission of the Messiah. And guys, that's what we need to be intentional about doing. Now, remember, these two guys, Cleopas and the other guy, we don't know the other guy's name. These aren't part of the 11 disciples. I know you guys are like, there's 12 disciples, but in this part of the story, Judas is no longer part of the club. Um, so there's 11 disciples now, right? And these two aren't part of them. These are, these are relatively obscure followers of his. And the suggestion here, this is really important, is that Jesus is showing this, that this information, it's not just for high and mighty church leaders, right? It's for everybody, so they continue on their, their, their journey here. And when they, when they finally reach Emmaus, when they finally reach their home, they invite Jesus in to stay the night because they've been traveling for so long. And as he sits down, Jesus blesses the bread. And this is interesting, right? Jesus, Jesus is the guest. He's not the host, but Jesus is the one who blesses the bread. And maybe because of that, maybe these guys are suddenly remembering Jesus feeding the 5,000 Because in verse 31, it says, suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. And so that brings us to our second point here, which is that only Jesus can open our eyes to see who he really is. Now, these guys, I mean, obviously they're amazed, right? To see this and and their eyes are suddenly opened, this is Jesus. They're, They're amazed. And so in the next couple of verses, we find out that, that these guys immediately go running back to, to Jerusalem. And, uh, and, and as they're gathered with the other 11 disciples, telling them what had happened, then Jesus appears yet again to them. And after asking for some food to eat, Jesus says, when I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. And that message was, there is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. And then it says, you are witnesses of these things. Now let's talk about that word. Let's, let's, there's a clarification to be made here. The word witness doesn't just mean that you saw it, but, but when you are a witness, you have a responsibility to testify about what you have seen. So Jesus is, is summing up this, this Holy Week nicely here. And he says that forgiveness is available to those who repent. Guys, that is why he was here. But he also says that we have a responsibility to testify to what we know. But let me ask you a question. What can we know when our Bible looks like this? Man, if we dig into this, we will better understand our third point here today, which I really want you guys to understand, which is that Jesus came 
to conquer sin and establish his rule in our hearts. Now we have seen that his own disciples misunderstood his mission. They thought that he was here to conquer Jerusalem and to rule as a Jew on the throne. Many people today believe that Jesus came to accept sin because of his love for sinners, but that is not true. He came here to conquer it. When we accept sin in our lives today or advocate for it or justify it, we separate ourselves from him and we are testifying false information about Jesus. And the disciples can miss the point of this lesson from the greatest teacher who has ever walked the earth. Then I want to make sure that I am very clear here today because I'm not him. I want to, if, if you guys get nothing from this sermon, if you've gotten nothing from this sermon, I hope that you get this right here. Please pay attention to this part right here. We all, every single one of us in this room, everybody outside, we all have a sin problem. It's part of our human nature. Every one of us was born that way. That sin nature, it separates us from spending eternity with God. And there can be no worse fate than being separated from God, especially for eternity. And the entire, world, the entire earth has been in this fallen state, crushed under, under sin and pain, and sickness, and death. And, and no matter what, no matter how many good things you've done in your life, you stack them all up. None, our good deeds could, could never benefit us one bit. The thing is, guys, God owes us absolutely nothing. But because he loves us so much, he sent his very son perfect in every single way, miraculously and simultaneously, fully God and fully man, to be sacrificed on that cross, a debt he didn't know, to take my place, to take our place of punishment when we repent. But then, on Sunday morning, Jesus rose from the dead, and he walked out of that tomb like a king. Conqueror of sin and death. Just exactly like he had foretold. Setting up his, his kingdom in our hearts. Now, as we close here today, guys, I want to reiterate what we believe about Jesus is the most important thing we can ever do. That's the most important thing that we can ever do. And although we can do nothing for our own salvation, we honor God when we follow his commands, especially this one, to go to the ends of the earth telling people about him. We honor him when we push back from our cultural narrative that urges us to become an ally to sin. See, God sent his son to go to war with sin, and we don't want to be an ally to anything that God is at war with. But guys, please, I understand. I, I get it. Our, the sin in our lives 
it, it can have a significant emotional attachment, but it has been conquered. Now, coming up next week, we're going to start this, this new sermon series called The Jesus Way. It's a, it's a six-part series, and, and really, you know, it's, it's six antitheses of Jesus. So we're going to look at these Old Testament laws. We're going to look at some of these things just like the, just like the, 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 the Jewish people had learned a list of, of sins and of, of laws, and we're going to look at Jesus' clarification of them, where he takes us deeper to really look at the, at the original intent of the law. And we'll be looking to understand what Jesus said better so that we can avoid being ignorant and unaware like his disciples proved to be. So the last thing I want to ask you guys is this. Actually, Jesus wants to ask this. He says in in John 16, do you finally believe? I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. So, my friends, if you are ready to believe, if you are ready to see sin and death conquered in your life, if you are ready to welcome Jesus as the ruler of your life, will you guys pray with me? Lord God, um, we just come here today as, as sinners. Lord, I just want to, I, I want to just, I'm going to own that. We are sinners, Lord. We, from, from the, the first moment of our lives, we had a nature of sin. If we, were, if we were able to do anything in those first moments of our lives, we would sin. We would go against you, Lord, because that's, that's just the way that, that we are. Lord, we know that we are, we are completely helpless to change that on our own. Outside of you, Lord, we, we can't and we never would move away from that, that sinful lifestyle because it's, it is who we are. But Lord, I also want to confess that sin to you. And although I can't remember every sin that I've ever done, Lord, you would know that. And I want to just, I want to give those to you. Everything that I have ever done that goes my way instead of your way. And I want to just, I want to admit, Lord, that those are sins. And I, and I know that. But Lord, I ask you to forgive me. I ask you, Lord, even though you don't owe me anything, I ask you to, to show mercy on me and to take those things from me. That burden that I, that I would carry, I ask you to take that for me. Unfairly to take that sin from me. And let me, Lord, be reconciled with you because I want to spend eternity with you. I don't, want, I don't want to be separated from you, Lord. And so I give that to you and I just humbly, I humbly ask that you would show mercy on me and, and, and bridge that gap so that I can be in your presence for eternity. And Lord, if there's anybody else in this room that has, has, has never prayed that prayer and never, never had that relationship established, Lord, I just ask you to grab a hold and call, call their hearts, pull them to you. Lord, put people in their path that would help them to, to find their way through this. Lord, as they, as they dig into the, to the, their Bibles, I ask that you, you help those passages 
to just pop out at them and, and to touch their heart, to impact them and to, for them to see that thread that you have that goes through the entirety of your word. Ultimately, Lord, though, we love you. We are, we are so grateful for the gift of your son that you would send your son to be sacrificed on that cross where we belong. To do that, Lord, the, lo- the, the amount of love that you, that you showed us is, is immeasurable. But Lord, we love you and we accept that gift. And Lord, we just ask that you be glorified through the service and through this last song. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.